Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And on today's episode, we get to talk about when it makes sense to work with a financial advisor. Now, I, of course, am a financial advisor, so I've got a lot of thoughts on this. But really what I want to do, instead of just saying, look, everyone needs a financial advisor, everyone should work with one, that's not what I believe. So what I want to walk through is what benefits should you expect from working with a good financial advisor? What would the cost be of working with a good financial advisor? When should you be your own financial advisor? When does it make sense to move on from your existing financial advisor? Really just start to explore all these things. And we're doing so now because we're coming up upon year end. Year end is when a lot of times we think about goals and finances and where we want to be. And a big part of that, of course, is working with an advisor. So this episode is based upon a study, actually, that I received from a client in a Ready for Retirement listener. This comes from Krish. Krish, hello. Thank you for the study. And it's titled Employee Benefits Research Institute, or rather I should say that's who sponsored it. And the title of the article is Retiree Reflections. Now, this was a really interesting thing to read through. We're not going to cover all of it on today's episode. We're going to highlight one specific aspect of it, but I will include it in the show notes. So if you're curious, I encourage you to check it out. Because there's a lot of interesting thoughts people share, and they're people who are retired, many of them, and they're looking back to say, what do I wish I had known, or what are the things that led to success? And you get some really interesting feedback. You have everything from people saying, I wish I would have been more aggressive with my investments when I was younger, to people saying, I wish I would have saved less for a kid's college and more for retirement, to people saying, I wish I would have bought fewer new cars, there's relationship things, there's all types of feedback that people who are retired have looking back. But the interesting aspect of this article that I want to touch upon today is it asks, what are people's thoughts on working with an advisor? And the survey found that those who work with a financial advisor are less likely to have financial regret, and more than 90% of the respondents were satisfied with their financial advisor, and they felt that the benefits they received outweighed the cost of that advice. Now, that's an important thing to touch upon because I think a lot of people have at least asked themselves the question, does it make sense for me to work with a financial advisor? But what it comes down to is how do I quantify what those benefits are and how do I quantify what those costs are? So in today's episode, that's what I want to help you to do is understand what benefits should you expect from a good financial advisor and what costs might you expect and how do you compare those two to see if working with an advisor makes sense for you. So as we start this conversation, really that cost benefit decision, that should be the beginning of this. That should be the beginning of any major decision that you're making. Of If you are looking to work with an advisor, the decision comes down to does the benefit of working with an advisor outweigh the cost of working with an advisor? If so, then it makes sense to do so. And if not, then there's absolutely no reason to work with an advisor if the cost of it exceeds any value that you might receive. The hard part is some of these benefits are quantifiable. Many of them are tangible. Others aren't. So we're going to explore that today to see how can you understand what benefits you should receive and how can you understand when it makes sense for you to work with an advisor. But to start with, let's do this. I believe that everyone already has an advisor. The difference comes down to are you paying someone to be an advisor or are you your own advisor? 
I don't think that everyone should pay someone to be their financial advisor. I don't think everyone needs to hire a financial advisor, but there's three criteria that I think you need to meet if you're not going to hire someone to do it and if you're going to do it on your own. Number one, are you educated and good at doing it? The it being financial planning and investing. Obviously, if you're going to be your own advisor, you would hope there's a level of competence there to where you can get the investing and the financial planning down really well on your own. Number two, do you enjoy doing it? It's not enough just to be really good at something. Do you also enjoy it? And I say that because if you're really good at financial advising and investing, but you hate doing it and you spend your retirement doing it instead of spending time with grandchildren or traveling or golfing or the things you'd rather do, well, what's the cost of that? What have you missed out on by spending your time in your limited amounts of bandwidth to doing something you don't want to do? So that's the second criteria. Do you enjoy doing it? And then three, do you have a plan in place for what happens to your loved ones should something happen to you? Meaning, what if you're really good at it, you really enjoy it, but something happens and you predecease your spouse or you predecease someone that happens to depend upon you financially? Is there a plan in place for them to be okay even if their financial advisor, aka you in this instance, is not okay anymore, is, is not around anymore? So if you are educated and really good at doing something, if you enjoy doing it, and if you have a plan in place for a contingency should something happen to you, it makes sense to be your own advisor. Why pay someone if you enjoy it and you're good at it and have that plan in place? If you're not extremely good at it, if you don't enjoy doing it, or if you don't really have a plan in place for what would happen to spouse or loved ones if something happened to you, then it might not make sense to be your own advisor. So let's explore the alternative to that. What if you are not your own advisor? What if you instead hire one? Well, the first thing that you want to look at is the cost. It costs money, of course, to work with an advisor. And it can cost a lot of money to work with an advisor, depending on your situation, your level of assets, and a number of other factors. So it's absolutely okay to start by asking, what is the cost of doing this? Here's the problem. Asking what is the cost is oftentimes the first question. And also the last question people ask when it comes to work with a financial advisor. They start with the cost, they see the cost, and that's all they ask. And so wrongly, what they start to assume is they say, okay, I'm going to work with this advisor. And they generally assume that working with an advisor means getting the same results they're getting today, but now with that extra cost built in. That's not the right way to look at it because the right way to look at it is yes to ask what's the cost of working with this advisor, but there has to be the follow-up question. And that follow-up question is, What's the cost of not working with a financial advisor? And you have to explore both sides of this because yes, when you look at what's the cost of an advisor, it can be a really high cost until you look at what's the cost of not working with an advisor and you see that could be a far greater cost than the cost of an advisor themselves. So really what you're doing when you're asking yourself the question, what is it costing me not to work with an advisor? You're asking yourself the question, what is the cost of not having the right asset allocation? What's the cost of not having the right tax strategy? What's the cost of not having someone help you avoid making the wrong mistake at the wrong time? What's the cost of not maximizing your income in retirement? And the biggest one to me, what is the cost of not having absolute peace of mind? I mean, what's the cost of feeling anxious and stressed your whole retirement, even if you have the financial wherewithal to be okay, if you only had the right guidance. So today, this is what we're going to go over. We're going to go over all of this so that you can quantify some of this, understand some of this, and ultimately make the right decision. 
Now, big disclaimer, I am a financial advisor. So clearly I have a bias that a good financial advisor, and by the way, today I'm specifically talking about good financial advisors. I have a bias that a good financial advisor can have an enormously positive impact upon their clients that significantly outweighs the cost of their advice. On that note, if you're listening saying, James, I am looking for an advisor, well, reach out. If you want to work with a really good advisor that can help you to get the most out of life with your money, reach out and one of our advisors would love to show you exactly how. Just visit us at rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here. So with that little mini commercial out of the way, let's talk about this first. I mentioned that today I'm going to be specifically talking about good financial advisors. How do you understand who a good financial advisor is? Everyone says they're a financial advisor, and of course, everyone is going to say they're good. Well, there's a lot of people that call themselves advisors. Here's how I like to categorize them. In my opinion, an advisor is either a picker, a planner, or a protector. Let me explain what I mean by that. In the olden days, so just a few years ago, maybe a decade or two ago, the primary role of an advisor was to sell you stocks or to pick mutual funds for you. And at the time, you needed an advisor to do that. Today, you don't need an advisor to do that. If you want to buy a stock or buy a mutual fund, you can do that on your own. You can go to E-Trade or TD Ameritrade or Schwab in any number of different places and go buy a mutual fund or a stock at little to no fee. So if you have an advisor and all that advisor is doing for you is buying for you a handful of mutual funds or a handful of stocks and that's it, you have a picker. And to me, a picker is worth very little because you can now do those things on your own. So if you're paying a cost and if you're paying a percentage of your investments to someone just to pick stocks or funds for you, you don't need to. Maybe pay someone an hourly fee if you just want some general guidance on what specific funds to pick. But in my opinion, that's not a valuable advisor, someone who's just a picker. The next step is a planner. So thankfully, as the industry moved forward a little bit, people started to realize, look, our value isn't just in picking stocks and mutual funds. We need to do a little planning. So planners, they will go a little deeper. They might ask for a copy of your budget. They might ask for a copy of your investment statements. Maybe they'll even ask you to fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire. And then what they'll typically do is they'll give you a Monte Carlo analysis. And it's going to give you some vague probability of success that says, you know what, you have a 90% probability of success or an 80% probability of success or maybe even 100% probability of success. Now, maybe that's a little helpful, but it's not going to leave you feeling fully confident in your future. So while planners can be better than pickers and that they're actually giving you some guidance on what to do and giving you some vague level of what are you going to be on track for, in my opinion, it's not still what a good advisor fully does. And with a planner, maybe you pay some type of a fee for service where it's not an hourly charge, but you're paying them a project-based fee to do some, some actual planning for you. But it's not what you ultimately need. So protectors, protectors are different. Protectors know you intimately. They know your goals. They know your vision for your future. They know your hopes and your fears. They know your family and the legacy that you want to leave. And a protector is going to fiercely protect that vision for your future through the creation of a comprehensive financial strategy. So the goal of a protector is to understand what you hold most dear and to fiercely protect it. They're going to meet with you regularly to ensure that your investments, your tax strategy, your income strategy, and everything else is constantly positioned to help you get the most life out of your money. And at the end of the day, protectors are going to realize it's not even about the money. It's about what that money can do for you and for your quality of life. 
So that's how I like to frame it. You have pickers, planners, and protectors. Protectors, that's where the true value is. Someone that's going to help you not just get the most out of your money, but more importantly, get the most life out of your money. And today, I'm going to be talking about the value of protectors. So let's assume that you have the right advisor. You have access to the right advisor. What are the benefits of that? Well, there's several. And in no particular order, let's just go through them. Number one is having the right allocation for you. Now, here's the hang up on this is people say, oh, well, why do I need an advisor for the right allocation? You can't outperform the S&P 500. Data shows that. Well, that's right. And it's wrong. People wrongly believe, oh, a fund manager can't outperform the S&P 500. Therefore, why would I work with a financial advisor when I could just own the S&P 500? Here's why. Your financial strategy is not to outperform the S&P 500. If the S&P 500 is your only benchmark, you may have success, but still not meet any of your goals. Meaning you could outperform the S&P 500 every single year, but still run out of money or still miss the point of it, or still be planning for the wrong things. So when we view the inability to outperform the S&P 500 and translate that into, oh, it doesn't make sense to work with a financial advisor, we're looking at two very different things. What we need to look at is what is your allocation? I can't tell you how many times people come to me with an existing asset allocation, so a stock to bond mix. And here's a problem. If it's too conservative, they're leaving tons of money on the table because their portfolio is too conservative for their specific goals. If it's too aggressive, well, then they're running the rest. They might run out of money because if there's a serious downturn and they're pulling money from their portfolio, they might dig themselves into a hole that they can't dig themselves out of. So having the right allocation doesn't mean, oh, this exact fund or this exact portfolio is going to outperform the S&P 500. It means that this exact allocation is going to help me best meet the goals that I have. It's going to have the right mix of assets that are designed to preserve, assets that are designed to create income, assets that are designed to grow in order to help me meet my goals today and meet my goals in the future. And whether you outperform or underperform the S&P 500, I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but it's missing the bigger picture goal of are you meeting your goals? Are you performing against your personal benchmark, which is your ability to be financially independent, your ability to spend time with family, your ability to travel, your ability to live stress-free? That's what you want to make sure that you are able to do. So having the right allocation can be hugely beneficial over time. And if you just have some arbitrary allocation, so for example, you're in a 60-40 portfolio because you think as a retiree, that's what you should be doing. Maybe but you might be leaving a lot of money on the table if that's not the perfectly right allocation for you. The second benefit is tax planning, especially in retirement. I have so many people that come to me and they're about to retire and say, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And and by the way, we're going to do some tax planning. And they say, oh, you know, that probably makes sense for your business owner clients or clients have a lot of real estate. You know, we've just worked W-2 jobs our whole lives and we've done well. We have savings and investments, but there's just not a lot we can do from a tax standpoint. And I say, you know what, you're exactly right while you're in your working years, there's only so much you can do. And it typically involves your 401k, maybe an HSA and a handful of other deductions. But in retirement, there's a tremendous amount of tax planning that you can do. And this tax planning can add tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars to the tax adjusted value of your portfolio over the course of your retirement, if you do things right. Tax planning is not something that most people do. And by the way, If you have an advisor and you bring up Roth conversion questions or tax planning questions to them and they say, oh, you know what? You need to ask your CPA. That's a tax question. Might be time to find a new advisor. 
Retirement planning is so involved with investments and taxes and income, and all these are so interconnected that you need one team that's cohesively bringing all these pieces together because this is a huge area to potentially save a lot of money over the course of your retirement. So tax planning is a big benefit. Number three, getting the most out of your portfolio. So most people, if they aren't working with an advisor, they're typically using the standard 4% rule. So, okay, I retired. How much can I draw from my portfolio? Well, I'm going to start with 4% because that's kind of conventional wisdom. And it's not just conventional wisdom, but it's based on some early research around how much can you pull out of your portfolio. Well, if you're doing that, there's a very high chance you might be leaving money on the table. That 4% rule was designed to say, look, if you retire at any time, whether it's in a horrible market or a great market, what's the maximum you can take out that even if you retire into a really bad market landscape, you're still going to be okay for 30 years. Well, that's where 4% comes from. That's kind of what the research shows is the most you could take out without running out of money within 30 years. Well, what if you retire and it's not a horrible market? You're leaving a lot of money on the table. Take 1975, for example. If you retired in that year, in the research paper that the 4% rule is based upon, it shows you could have actually taken about 7.5% of your portfolio in that year. What does that mean, practically speaking? It means you've left 3.5% of your portfolio on the table. Now, that's not just some arbitrary, generic, vague number. That's real. Those are experiences. Those are things you've missed out on. Let's assume you have a million-dollar portfolio, and you only took 40000 per year instead of 75000 per year. What could you have done with that extra 35000 What other trips could you have done? What causes and charities could you have supported? What family help could you have provided with an extra $35,000? That's the cost of not doing things right. It's the missed opportunities that have real-world implications. That is a huge cost. So getting the most out of your portfolio means having a withdrawal strategy that's designed to maximize the amount of income you can take and that's designed to be dynamic knowing that we can't predict what the market's going to do every single year. So we really better have a strategy that can be designed to react to that to maximize the income you can take over time. Number four, another benefit, again, in no particular order, is having some personal guardrails. What I mean by this is so often, if you're doing retirement planning by your own, unless you're really, really good at it, chances are very good you're either going to overspend by a lot or you're going to underspend by a lot. So personal guardrails, what does that mean? Well, I'll use the analogy of bowling. The first time I went bowling, I was really bad. I'm still really bad, but I was really, really bad the first time I went. Lots of balls ended up in the gutter, which is obviously not where you want the bowling ball to end up. So what did I do? Well, I cheated. I put the bumpers up. And that way, if I tossed the bowling ball too far to the left, well, I had the bumpers there and they would rebound it back to the right. Well, if I bowled too far to the right, vice versa, the bumpers were there and it would move it back to the middle. So what I was doing was adding some automatic course correction built in that wasn't depending on me getting it perfectly right. Well, here's the analogy for retirement. A good advisor should serve as those bumpers. Everyone, as I mentioned, has two big risks going into retirement. One is that you spend too much money and you end up running out of it. And the other is that you underspend because you're so nervous about running out of money that you end up waking up one day after underspending for 10 and 20 years and you realize you now have more money than you'll ever be able to spend over the course of your life. Now, at that point, your best years of health and energy are probably behind you. And so you're going to wake up with this tremendous amount of regret of what could I have done had I had a proper understanding of how much I could spend each year. So a good advisor's job is to ensure you don't overspend, but it's also to ensure you don't underspend. 
Underspending truly means a loss of experiences, a loss of trips, a loss of time with friends and family, and it's things that you'll never get back. So do you have an advisor that can serve as those personal guardrails, making sure that you're getting the most life out of your money? So those so far are four big things that a good advisor should be able to help you to do. There's lots and lots of benefits. I'm just going to hit on one more that I think is probably the most important, and it's this. It's happiness and increasing your quality of life. Now, we often don't think of hiring an advisor because it's going to add to our happiness. But there was some recent research done by someone named Sonia Letter, and she asked, what's the value of a financial advisor? Surveyed over a thousand people. And what she found was one of the biggest benefits is overall happiness. Now, how did she define happiness? She had four criteria. They were fulfilled, intentional, impactful, and grateful. So did you feel more? Did you feel those higher on the spectrum than you otherwise would have when you worked with a financial advisor versus when you didn't? So being fulfilled, being intentional, being impactful, being grateful, these are all things you found that you're freed up to do when you have a plan for what your money can do for you. And overall, she found that people who worked with a financial advisor were happier than those that didn't. Here's an interesting thing to me, though, in reading the study. The overall level of happiness for those that worked with an advisor started more dramatically rising for those that had assets over $1.2 million, and it was actually highest for those who had assets of $6 million or more, aka those that paid their advisor the most amount of money are also those that are the happiest with their advisor. So yes, there's a cost for doing this, but if that cost led to a direct correlation to an increase in happiness, that is a huge benefit. If you envision your retirement, envision the travel you're going to take, envision the time you're going to spend with family, envision the things you're going to do with friends and in your community, how much do you want that vision to be clouded by a constant state of worry or fear or uncertainty because you're constantly thinking about what am I missing? Because you're constantly thinking about avoiding the next big mistake. Because you're constantly thinking about money. If your retirement is dominated by thoughts and anxieties about money, doesn't matter how much money you have, that's not going to be a happy, fulfilling retirement. So one of the biggest values of an advisor is increasing your quality of life and increasing your happiness by being able to offload that burden for you. Have someone else constantly looking at your financial situation, helping you to understand what you need to do so that you can be freed up to do what you want to do most. In the article I mentioned at the top of this episode that Chris sent me, the retiree reflections. Again, it showed that over 90% of people who have worked with a financial advisor were satisfied to very satisfied with their decision to do so. Or in other words, the value that they perceived to receive from their advisor, that was bigger, that was larger than the cost of working with that advisor. So at the end of the day, what should a good advisor help you to do? They should help you to get the most out of life with your money. You might have heard me say that a few times. If you look at our website, you'll see that because at the end of the day, a good advisor should make a positive impact on your portfolio, your tax situation, your overall finances, but that's not the real reason a good advisor exists. The real reason a good advisor exists is to allow you to get the most out of life. You'll hear me say sometimes a sign of a good financial plan is a life well lived. Sign of a good financial plan isn't your tax strategy. It's not your asset allocation. It's not your income strategies. Those are all very important. But if those aren't directly contributing to your ability to live a better life, well, then we've missed the point here. So how can you get your finances in order so that you can live the best possible life you can? So here's another thing that I want to add to this when it comes to the cost. 
I have worked with a lot of people in over 11 years in this industry, and all these people have paid our firm an advisory fee for many, many, many years. None of them had a failed retirement because of paying our advisory fee. In fact, many of them had the type of retirement that people dream about. They were completely freed up to do the things that you want to do. I've talked to many people in my 11 plus years in this industry who didn't work with an advisor. I mean, they'd never paid an advisor a dime. Now, many of them did have a good retirement. There's also a portion of them who admittedly messed things up and they did not have the retirement they were looking for. So they did not pay any advisory fees, but they made the wrong mistakes at the wrong time. They missed managed portfolios. They didn't understand certain tax implications. And one bad mistake over a 30-year retirement can very easily cost more than the fees someone would have paid to an advisor over that time. So again, I go back to my question. What is the cost of working with an advisor? That one's pretty easy to answer. You can understand the advisor you're looking at, understand their costs, and you can quantify that. But the follow-up question, what is the cost of not working with an advisor? If we're not also exploring that, then we're missing the true picture. So to wrap things up, what are some signs that you might need a financial advisor? If some of this seems a little nebulous or a little vague, what are the signs that you might need an advisor? Well, number one is all of your money in the S&P 500. If so, and if you're planning to retire, probably time to reach out to an advisor. It means you don't have the right allocation. It's probably going to fit best for your needs in the future. Number two, you worry often and you might even lose sleep about what you might be missing or the mistakes you might make. Now, who do I see this most frequently with? It's the people who enjoy investing. They're oftentimes do-it-yourselfers in many areas. They get 80 to 90% of the way there, but they can't fully get that peace of mind because they're constantly thinking about what am I missing? What am I not doing? Well, is that last piece that you're missing causing a huge impact on your quality of life? If so, probably time to start working with an advisor. Number three, maybe you have no idea where to start or you have no idea if you're even on track to retire or not. You need an advisor, a good advisor, because that is what an advisor should help you to do. It's help you to lay out a roadmap to show you what needs to be done to be on track. And number four, you just feel like you don't have a strategy. Maybe you feel like you're saving enough for retirement, you're putting money to different types of an account, you know that there's these things you need to be thinking about, but you just don't feel like you're getting a strategy or you have a cohesive strategy, that is when it's time to reach out to an advisor. Now, you might be listening and say, James, I already have an advisor. How do I know if the advisor I'm working with is a good one? Well, here's five signs that it might be time to change your financial advisor. Number one, are you tired of being told to ask your CPA whenever you ask a tax question? You should absolutely have an advisor that's well-versed in tax strategy. That doesn't mean they're filing your tax return for you, but it does mean they're incorporating tax planning into your financial plan, and you shouldn't be told to ask your CPA when you ask your advisor tax question. Number two, do you have dozens and dozens of different mutual funds in your account and you have no idea the role that each of those is playing? What that might mean is your advisor is more focused on complexity and trying to sell a complex bill of goods than they are actually trying to simplify your life and to lead to a more streamlined financial strategy. Number three, maybe you can't remember the last time you heard from your advisor. That's the case. Probably time to change your advisor. Number four, all you ever get when you visit your advisor's Monte Carlo number, probably time to change your advisor. A Monte Carlo number can be good. It can be a compliment to a financial plan. But if your advisor's feedback to you when you ask for a financial strategy is to say you have an 80% probability of success, what good does that do you? It doesn't really tell you specific actions you should be taking, and that's really what you need. And then number five, 
you should change your financial advisor if you dread meetings with your advisor. Your advisor is someone that you should enjoy. There's such a deep level of trust that needs to be had between an advisor and a client that you don't want to dread those meetings. You want to enjoy those meetings. You want to share freely and openly because it is a very trust-based thing. Oftentimes, you will share things that you might not share with anyone else in your life with your advisor. So you want an advisor that's going to know you intimately, and there needs to be that high degree of trust. So if you're dreading meetings with your advisor because there's a personality disconnect or just something's off, might be time to find a new advisor. So if you are listening to this and saying, you know what, I think it's time that I do work with an advisor, or you know what, it's time that I switch the advisor that I'm working with, we would love to have a conversation with you. If you go to our website, www.rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here, you will get connected with one of our advisors. What it is, is it's a no cost, no obligation chance to have an initial call, see what does it look like to work with Root? What can I expect when I work with Root? But as you can tell from this conversation, we believe passionately in the value of a good financial advisor. And when you work with a good financial advisor, it makes a difference in your life, not just your money, but your overall life, your peace of mind, your level of happiness. So reach out, go to rootfinancialpartners.com, click on start here. We'd love for one of our advisors to be able to connect with you. With that being said, that is it for today's episode, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. 